It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And we're doing the off-season roundtables as we do every year once the season is over. Thought we'd kick this one off with a bang. The first one is going to be with the Stewart brothers. Jamie Stewart's been on the show before. He was on the roundtable last year. And he is an award winner over at News 12 Long Island. He's one of only two Emmy winners, by the way, to appear on this show. The other, Corey Griffin of NBC Sports. He'll be on the show at some point, too. And his brother, Chase Stewart, of Pro Football Perspective. So it's awesome to have both of you guys on at the same time. Jamie, welcome back to the show. Chase, welcome to the show for the first time. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk Jets football. And, yeah, thank you. And I'd like to say that uh, Chase deserves an award for really being a great little brother. (laughs) (laughs) As a big brother myself, I'm with you. I'd like to give my little brother an award, but I don't think he needs me. He's got his own awards in poker, and that's why he's been so successful at it. If you go and Google him, you can see his winnings. Just wild to see him doing so well. Glad to be able to have him on the podcast every week, giving his gambling picks and helping other people make the kind of money that he's made. Absolutely incredible how successful he's been, so I'm really proud of him. And when I look at everything that he's accomplished, still surreal to me, almost as surreal as the Jets' 2019 season, or all these years of being a Jets fan. So we'll start with you, Jamie, and then we'll go to Chase on each of these. That way, nobody's stepping over each other. Let's first talk about what happened in 2019. What were your thoughts of the job that Adam Gase did in his first year? Well, Chase and I have different opinions on just about everything regarding the Jets. So you tell your listeners that so they can hear both sides of the story. They'll probably agree with one of us. Um I think he's horrible at making adjustments. I think that's a given. There's no way to defend that. Um, That being said, I will say this. I said this to Chase before. I'll say it again. I thought the Jets were seven to nine win team going into the year. If everything went right, Ken. And I thought the beginning of the season, the first six, seven games were going to be horrible. That was before... Donald missed three games. C.J. Mosley missed a season. Every Williamson missed a season. Another one missed a season. Uh, the line was in shambles and horrible. If you told me all that, I would have said four wins. Um, so, to answer your question, I can't say Adam Gase did a really good job because they were under 500, but I do give him credit for at least keeping this team together where I, when I could not name most of the defensive players, most of the offensive line, um, I give him credit for that, but overall, I probably would give him a C just because he couldn't find a way to use Le'Veon Bell. Sam Darnold was incrementally better, and he just seemed stubborn, and there were some baffling losses. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it, I, I'd go a little bit worse than that. I mean, it, not, the, the end of the season was impressive to some extent because, you know, the Jets didn't give up and they did finish strong. Uh, it, it ended up mostly not mattering. I mean, the season was over on November 3rd when the Jets lost to Miami. And to start the year one and seven is hard to justify or, or defend Gase in any way. And I think Gase did not do himself any favors. The, the Jets could have been one and seven with any head coach that they could have hired. So Gase having a strong finish against a weak schedule doesn't really impress me or didn't give Jets fans a lot of excitement. Jets fans got less joy out of this season than probably any season in a long time because it, there was no excitement that the opening day loss was bad, the Browns loss was even worse, and then it just went downhill. There was a fluke win against the Cowboys where I think Dallas you know, basically lost that game just as much as the Jets won it, and Dallas was suffering injuries. And then the Jets beat up on a, a week back half of the schedule. And, you know, Gase does finish with a decent record, but the players don't seem to like him. The offense isn't very good. And so there's not a lot of reasons for a Jets fan to think, oh, Adam Gase is here. Things are going to be trending up. I want to throw this at you guys. One of my listeners, Sean Stalker, said that if you look at it from the perspective of if Adam Gase was here to run the offense as the offensive coordinator and this team was 32nd in the league in offense, that he would have been given a pink slip. And I find that interesting because the Jets' defense, and Jamie, you talked about how they were able to get a bunch of no-names to produce. They were top 10. Jets' special teams top 5, and the offense was 32nd. If Adam Gase is the offensive architect and the other two guys are producing at a top 10 and a top 5 level, what's Gase's real function here? Does he get the credit for keeping this team together, or should the credit be going to Greg Williams and Brant Boyer? I think those are great points, and I can't tell you that Adam Gase did a better job than Boyer or uh, Greg Williams, because he didn't. Uh, Greg Williams was fantastic, so... What's his function? You're right. I mean, if, if he's an offensive guru and the offense was just as bad as it was when Bowles was here, uh, I don't I don't disagree with you. I will say that I wouldn't have fired him after one year as an OC just because of so many injuries on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and his, his lack of adjustments is definitely alarming. I do think he does deserve credit, though. You can give Williams credit, too. But he is the head coach. So you got to give him some credit for this team starting off 1-7 and seven and not throwing in a towel because like Chase said nobody likes him so who cares we're not gonna play for this guy they still found a way to be respectable so I give him credit for that but to answer your question yeah he's the offensive guru and the offense stunk so there's a lot of pressure on him next year to make this offense a lot better I I would disagree with my brother that Adam Gase is an offensive guru the offenses in Miami were bad and the offense this year was disgusting and he, he just isn't an offensive guru I think I will give him credit as a head coach for the team's success on, on all, you know, all three sides of, of the game and the special teams and defense were good. And, you know, he can, he gets credit for being on board with the Greg Williams hire. I think the Dow Loggins hire was awful and he deserves to be criticized for that. The, the off, he does a great you know, job with ha- the challenge flags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, when you hire a, a head coach, you expect him to coach all three units. So I don't, I don't think you just look at the offense, but the way the offense underachieved this year is certainly a reflection of Gase. And, you know, I, I think I would also have some concerns that the success of the Jets defense isn't really sustainable or something to have that much belief in going forward because, one, the, the talent level just 
isn't there. I don't think we, we expect Greg Williams to have a long, successful tenure as defensive coordinator of the Jets. And they did beat up on a lot of pretty bad quarterbacks. And so it, I, I would be much less excited about a team that had what looks like a fluky defensive year that was strong and an awful offensive year than vice versa. And so that's just another reason to not be, you know, look fondly back on Gase's 2019. But they should have a better defense next year as far as talent-wise, I would think, with Mosey coming back, maybe Williamson, who knows what happened in the draft. And they can't be worse defensively as far as their talent. And on yeah, the but offensive line, of beating up yeah. on, you know, Devlin no, Hodges and Mason Rudolph, they're going to get torched by Pat Mahomes, and the Jets defense is going to rank 24th next year. Well, eventually it's got to get better, no? Uh, no. <laughs> it, it doesn't – it hasn't gotten better, depending on how you – you know, what ratings you want to look at. It, it was a fine defense, but it was certainly not a special defense. And But it wasn't, they, a defense, it wasn't a defense that got lucky, though, with like a zillion pick sixes and things that you can't count on next year. Really didn't have a lot of that at all, you know? Maybe there's a foundation growing there. I'm just being hopeful. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that that's the case. I think the talent isn't there. We're going to see different personnel next year. And they, they did end up playing some pretty bad quarterbacks, and that's when they looked pretty good. They got torched even by Gardner Minshew. And when Andy Dalton came in, he also torched them. So it, it, it was not – I think, yeah, the defense did play well. Greg Williams did a good job getting the most out of the talent. They probably – I think they certainly overachieved. But we see time and time again defenses have these good years, and then the next year they're not very good. And the Jets would be a prime candidate to be one of those teams next year. Let's talk about Sam Darnold a little bit because we touched on the offense and how it was really bad. But the consensus with Sam Darnold, and it's one that I agree with, is that he progressed this year, didn't make that leap that we were hoping for. Some of that is on him. Some of that is on Gase. And some of that is just a matter of surrounding talent. How much of a leap do you think that he can make in year three if they put the right pieces around him? And how much progression do you think that he made from year one to year two? Jamie, we'll start with you. Not like you said, not as much as everyone hoped. There were a lot of factors that went into it. I just talked to a uh, former Jets tight end, the legendary Anthony Beck, yesterday on my uh, podcast, Tailgate Talk. And Beck said not much is being made about, not enough is being made about his recovery from mono. Missed three games, but no, he, he probably needed another month to feel physically 100% again. So you had that. The offensive line was horrible. He made some head-scratching interceptions, but you know what? I, I, it's sort of just about every quarterback in the league. So I, I think he looked better. He did cut down in the interceptions. Um, I like it because he doesn't have a great team around him, and you still see signs of a really good quarterback. So whereas with Mark Sanchez – he had a really good team around him and that made Sanchez look good because he had five seconds to throw the ball and he threw the ball on second and three on a play action. Darnold is looking good in spite of his uh, offense. So I think Joe Douglas will fortify the line. I think we should expect – I would expect a very big leap from Darnold next year. If not, if we see the same Darnold next year, I'd be very disappointed. Yeah, I'd agree with the last part. If we see the same Darnold next year, we'd be disappointed. I think some of the – you know, analysis of Donald has to factor into what the expectation is, right? And when you trade a significant amount of picks, go up to get this guy and are sold on him as a franchise quarterback who is a game changer, it becomes harder to give, you know, whether you want to call them excuses or explanations 
to give him the benefit of that when he has a, a underachieving season. It was not a good year. It was obviously a, a below average season in a lot of ways. Now, was it a little bit better than last year? Yes. Was it better than some bad quarterbacks? Yes. And does Donald show flash of becoming a, a franchise quarterback? Absolutely. I think he, he had some good games. And Jamie's right that every quarterback has some of the bad throws. Donald maybe has some more, you know, bad plays than most. But it, it, there are promising signs. But I think a lot of second-year quarterbacks you could see promising signs out of. You could see that out of Marcus Mariota after year two. You could see that out of Jameis Winston after year two. I think Jets fans were probably much more optimistic about Mark Sanchez after year two than they are about Sam Darnold right now. And so I think, yes, that there's potential, and we've seen good improvement, and, and there are times where Darnold looks like he could become the guy. But when you basically devote all of your resources to this guy and saying he's the guy that's going to turn things around – I think Jets fans would rightfully have expected a little bit more after two years from now. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I'm going to throw something at both of you. And I think that this is something that would resonate with a lot of Jets fans right now, and I'm curious to get your take on this. Michael Nania has been working on a project where he is going to be reviewing every single play of Sam Darnold's career so far, so all 26 games that he's played. And he's been sharing his early conclusions with me, and we're going to do a bunch of this on the podcast during the offseason. But what he's concluded so far is that Sam Darnold has proven that he's a capable, good starting quarterback but that he hasn't reached the level of the type of quarterback that you were talking about, Chase, that you expect when you pick a quarterback at number three overall. The guy that can lift that offense, that can be the difference maker week in, week out. Maybe not every single week, but on a fairly regular basis. And so we know that he can be the guy that will be here for a second contract. The question is, is he going to rise above that 
middle of the pack or slightly above middle of the pack level to the elite level, to the Pro Bowl, to the All-Pro level. I think that's really what the evaluation of him, if we're being fair about it, should be at this point. Do you think that's fair? Well, Chase doesn't even think he's a good quarterback right now, and he will <laughs> use his the stats to back it up. Um, I think he's, he's I, not a top. Yeah. He's not a top fifteen quarterback in the league right now, and I, I think would everyone would agree with that. So that means yeah. he's not good. <laughs> this is the conversation I have with Chase on a daily basis. <laughs> um, I think you can't be below I, average and good. I mean, that is fair. My, my brother is very logical. Um, no, I, your question basically is. Is Sam Darnold ceiling a top 16 quarterback and he's like good, not mm-hmm. great, or is he a top 10 quarterback and he can lift the team? I say he's played 26 games. He shouldn't, in my opinion, there's no way. Yes, okay, Pat Mahomes is, but he's on behalf of Pat Mahomes. So what? He can still win the Super Bowl before Pat Mahomes. There's no way after 26 games you can make an evaluation and say, eh, I think he's just going to be okay. Give me a break. He's got to have more time than that. I agree. He needs more time, but it, but if you look at look at his draft class, right? I mean, is he is he he's obviously nowhere near where Lamar Jackson is, and he's farther along, of course, than Josh Rosen. You know, Josh Allen. I think you know who knows who's going to end up being the better quarterback, and Baker Mayfield. I think he can kind of say the same thing. So I agree. We, it's way too early to close the book on Donald Square. He's twenty two years old. I, I just think so far we. You know, you can you can be blinded for a long time with potential, and I think that's what Jets fans need to caution themselves against. I was with Sanchez. I agree to that. <laughs> I think a lot of us were. I think if you watch the tape, though, there have been a ton of really, really good throws and a lot of positive signs. And I think that in a lot of cases in these games, what's been happening is the surrounding talent around him has failed him, whether it's receivers not getting open or running the wrong routes or even the offensive line not giving him proper time to throw. So that goes into the evaluation as well. Do you think that if the Jets, and we're going to get into what they could do specifically, are able to surround Darnold with better talent, that he has the opportunity to make that jump in year three that we were all hoping for in year two? Chase, I know that you're a little more disappointed in Darnold than your brother has been so far, but what do you guys both think? Jamie, you can go first. Well, I mean, I definitely do. At the same time, you're right, as far as uh, the optimistic part of me wanted to be that way. Uh, look, it's his second year. It will be his second year under Gates' system. He will be 22 going into being 23 years old, and he should have more time to throw the ball, and he should have a better team. But, you know, should have, would have, who knows what the Jets are going to do. They could be worse for next year, for all we know. So, uh, yes, I do believe that Darnold should be better if the team around him is better. He better be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think what, what would be – Fair is Jets fans should have real should have projections for, for next year and then be realistic in their evaluation at the end of the year. What what would constitute a good year for Darnold and does he actually meet those you know those numbers and whatever stats you want to look at. But I think you, you need to see a big jump from him and I think you when you draft him third overall and trade up three second round picks to do that, you hope by year three he's a top ten quarterback because if he isn't, why are you doing that? So he he's got to be. A, a top ten quarterback next year. Otherwise, it, you know why are they, they well, need you looking say at all? Ten. But I, I, what you're saying is true. I agree with you. But we're going from he's like twenty third in the league to now you're saying he's top ten, right? That's what you wanted to be. Yeah. So let's off the top of your head, real fast. Who are the top ten quarterbacks in the league right now? 
He's not going to go to the Mahomes or Lamar Jackson Jack. or Russell Wilson. If you whatever stats you want to look at, whatever the metrics you want to use, you, you just need to be consistent in your evaluations. Like, is he actually reaching that? Because if he is a year where he has 3,600 yards, an average passer rating, 25 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions, and that's sort of a you know QB 16 year, you know that's that's not that exciting. Can you win a Super Bowl with that guy when the team is really good? Of course. But, you know, the, for the team to get really good, I mean, that could be a long ways away for the Jets. I think okay, you, you are not going to see it, the Jets bring him to a Super Bowl anytime soon. He's going to have to be the one that leads them. That's fine. But if, if he, with the numbers you just said, if, if Darnold's third year is his best year, how can you be disappointed in that? Because his first two years weren't that good. So his third year being his best year has to be more meaningful than that. I think those – I don't know. What do you think? I think those numbers – I don't know. We'll see. I don't think those numbers are bad if Darnold makes that lead. If he puts those numbers up next year, the Jets are probably in the playoff. That really depends on who they add around him, and I want to get to that in a second because I want to talk to you guys about what you think about the guy who is tasked with finding the talent to surround Sam Darnold. But first, since you keep bringing up the three second-round picks, Chase, I wanted to throw this theoretical at both of you guys because I thought it would be fun. What if we went back to 2018 and instead of drafting Sam Darnold and making that trade, the Jets had been able to sign Kirk Cousins and then had those three second-round picks to use? Where do you think they would be right now? I'll let Chase answer this, but Chase and I have talked about this in the past as far as if the Jets just kept those picks and just you know drafted Lamar Jackson or something like that. But, I mean, I think they'd definitely be better off right now. What do you think, Chase? Yeah, I mean, they would, th- this is still an offense that has a ton of holes. So, you know, I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback right now than Sam Darnold. I think that's pretty clear. And if the Jets had three second-round picks to build the, ro- the roster along with a better quarterback, obviously the salary cap, you know, concerns are different. And, you know, maybe the Jets couldn't have done everything they did, although C.J. Mosey didn't really do a lot for the team this year. But, yeah, the the, the offense would be better. But, look, when, when you make the pick, the trade for Darnold, it wasn't about – being 10 and 6 this year versus 7 and 9. It was trying to find a difference maker at a position that is the most valuable in the sport, and especially given the value of a, a quarterback on a rookie contract. And so the, the hope was you could have a top five, top 10 quarterback for cheap and have a two or three year Super Bowl window. You know, so far that hasn't happened. Maybe it happens next year. There's only one year left after that where you can really build around a, a quarterback making you know relatively small amount of money and hope that he can make the rest of the team around him better. And I think that's the only concern. And maybe it was never fair to expect Donald to make everyone else around him better, but that just goes back to whether or not you know, all the Jets' decisions were wise. And I think we know most of the Jets' decisions have not been too wise. Yeah, I mean, I think Kirk Cousins, I, I never was a big fan of Kirk Cousins, and I don't think he deserved that money. And um, but I will say that I will be disappointed if Sam Darnold does not turn out to be a difference maker at the quarterback position, you know, a quarterback that actually lifts his team. Since we're talking about getting picks and having assets and being able to put together pieces that would allow the Jets to win in Sam Darnold's rookie window, let's talk about the guy who's going to be responsible for getting those pieces and putting them in place and being able to build this winner. And that, of course, is Joe Douglas, the general manager. How are you guys both feeling about him right now? How optimistic are you? I mean, for everything you've heard is, you know, he, he comes from, you know, the Ravens and the Eagles, so two pretty successful organizations. He wants to build a team from the trenches up, and that's clearly what the Jets need. 
he was going to be high in demand. The Jets gave him a six-year deal. So, I mean, he certainly can't be worse than what the Jets have had with uh, Itzik and McCagden. So, by all accounts, you know, he should be pretty good. But, you know, he brought in Khalil. They immediately started Khalil, which I thought was a little odd, and that backfired. So that was a bad move. He did make some good pickups, though, in the offseason. So, I mean, it's a wait-and-see mode. But by all accounts, the Jets have a pretty competent general manager. Yeah, and I, I think it's just nobody knows. I mean, it, it's very difficult to to analyze general managers. You would say that McCagnin was the best general manager in the league after his first year with the Jets, and three years later he was deservedly fired. And, you know, Douglas has never been a GM before, so it, it's always difficult figuring out how much credit he gets. He, he's got a good resume. On paper, looks like a good hire, but, you know, it, it is so hard to predict whether or not you know, you're finding the right GM. And, you know, certainly the, the Jets had a lot of positive expectations over the last four or five GMs that they hired. And for the most part, they haven't worked out. So we, we have to give Douglas the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, until he actually does something, I, I can't put a lot of faith in the sound bites. Let's talk strategy here. What do you think that they should do in terms of rebuilding this team? Are there any particular players that you have your eye on for free agency that you think the Jets should be looking to add? I mean, there's they, there's offensive linemen. Is a was it uh, Sheriff? I think is is a free agent. He's gonna be a lot of money. Uh, there's a, one of the Patriots' offensive linemen uh, is, is a free agent. Um, I haven't really delved into all the free agents yet, um, but. You know, for me, offensive line should be the number one priority, and cornerback is another huge priority. I would say pass rusher, but the Jets have been looking for one since John Abraham, so I don't know about that. Um, I think a big question will be what the Jets do with Robbie Anderson. Um, how much money is he going to command? Uh, I like Anderson. I don't love him. Um, you know, are you going to pay $13, 14000000 million a year for him? I don't know, but if not, you're taking away one of Darnold's weapons. Uh Jamal Adams, another guy. Do you really need to give him a huge deal now? He still has two years left. I don't know about that either. Um, but for me, it's it's all about the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Jets just need a, a talent infusion across the board. Jamie named almost every position on the team, and, and he the, one of the ones he left <laughs> out is running back, where the Jets may be making a change as well. So I, I don't know what's going to happen with Robbie Anderson. I agree that that is a tricky spot, and if the Jets end up losing Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson, you know, we're back in a situation where the, the Jets' skill position talent's pretty bad, and they could use talent just about everywhere. There, there are not many players on offense or defense that are above average, and I think Jamal Adams is one of them. You've got some hopes for some of the other defensive players, but really, anywhere the Jets can find impact players, I think they need to, and in the draft, they need to accumulate talent, whether that means trading down, uh, fortunately, they've got that extra pick from the Leonard Williams trade, but I think that the, the plan for Douglas should be to just upgrade the entire roster. And it, fortunately, I think it really is a two-year plan because I don't know if there's enough time to fix all the holes uh, in one year. Certainly, the Jets don't seem like they're on the verge of a, a strong run in 2020, so it may be building towards 2021. And that's what they should have done last year. Like the, the, the rebuilding should be almost done at this point, and the problem is it's not. <laughs> 
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk about Le'Veon Bell because I'm curious what both of you guys think. Would you look to deal him? Obviously, there's the money component of this, so there could be the possibility of having to eat a little bit of that contract. But let's put that aside. Forget about the money for a second. Do you think it would be a wise move to trade Le'Veon Bell? I, I just don't think anybody's going to trade for him. I mean, I, I think it's Agreed. unrealistic to expect you know, people to trade for him. It's whether or not the Jets wind up cutting him or trading him for a seventh-round pick or a sixth-round pick. I mean, he, he, he did not have a big market last year, and he obviously had a significantly worse year this year than expected, and he's owed a lot of money. So, you know, who is going to be trading anything of value for Le'Veon Bell? I think the best-case yeah, scenario is the Jets re- refocus how they use him and with a better offensive line and, you know, Whatever has to do, you know, between Gase and him needs to be resolved, and you hope that he can be a, a part of a top 15, top 10 offense next year. But I, I just think it's unlikely that it's going to be able to trade him in, in this offseason. Everything Chase says for the first time, I agree. <laughs> let's see if you agree on this. You talked about Robbie Anderson a little bit, so let's get into him and the rest of the internal free agents here. What do you think about Robbie Anderson, Jordan Jenkins, Brian Poole, guys like that? Who do you think the Jets should try to keep? And when it comes to somebody like Robbie Anderson, what do you think the limit should be contract-wise? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's very difficult to, to figure out what you want to do with Anderson because he's, he's going to test the market, and my guess is someone's going to offer him a lot of money. So I, I think, unfortunately, if he has a chance, to, to get a big contract, he will and he'll get that. And, you know, probably doesn't make sense for the Jets to do that. You know, they, they should certainly be trying to focus on keeping their talent, but overpaying for Anderson, probably not the move. And again, it's not like this is the championship window for the team. Uh, I think on defense, you, you try to resign the, the players you have, but you, you, you should not be investing a lot of money, certainly not two, three, four years of guaranteed money in players who've just had one good season. So I think you give Douglas the mandate to build this roster as he sees fit, and it really shouldn't be. This is his first year, remember. I mean, he, he was hired in the summer after, you know, basically the team was built. So he's got to have a long window to build the team in the image he wants. I like Brian Poole. I think Poole was really good this year. Jordan Jenkins, career high in sacks. He's a good character guy. I like him as well. I would try to keep him. I think one thing that's underrated – about the, uh, or I don't know about underrated, but not really talked about so much is the Jets locker room. You know, the Jets tried to bring in a lot of high character guys over the last couple of years, and I do think it's paid off. Uh, they had internal leadership. They had ways to stick together. There really wasn't that infighting that you've seen in the past. So I, I think it's important to keep that locker room, uh, keep those guys. Um, as far as Anderson goes, he impressed me. I like him. Um, if you overpay for him, if you don't overpay for him and he walks, now who is Donald throwing to? I like Crowder, but now you need to draft a receiver. 
There are receivers that supposedly are very good in the draft that are available. Um, he's not a number one, but he's a good number two. Let's talk a little bit about ownership because this is kind of the elephant in the room. Everybody will talk about the general manager, the coach, the players, but the prevailing wisdom is that as long as the Johnsons own this team, there are going to be problems because they don't seem to know how to make the proper decisions. So a lot of people will go back to a lot of the things that Woody Johnson did. And now with Christopher Johnson, people will talk about the hiring of Adam Gase and not even just the hiring of Adam Gase, but the entire timeline of how the hiring of Gase happened and then how Mike McCagnin was pushed out after the draft, after free agency, all of that. And how that kind of speaks to the idea that people think that Christopher Johnson may kind of be flying blind here. What do you think? Do you think that ownership is such an impediment that it's going to be almost impossible for this team to turn things around? I don't know. I want to give ownership. I can't give them the benefit of the doubt, but I want to hope it works out. Everybody that comes here, every new GM, every new coach, says they love working with the Johnsons. They just want to win. They have unbelievable practice facility. They give us everything they need to and then it doesn't work. I don't like how they make this hierarchy, how they have to report to the owner. and So it seems like, for what it's worth, the Johnsons just seem to meddle too much and don't know what they're doing. And if the Jets do win, it's going to be in spite of them. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, look, right now it's not like John Mayer and the Giants ownership is looking any better. I mean, they seem just as much lost as the Jets right now. But it's hard to have a lot of faith in ownership when they've they've yet to really figure out how to get the the GM and head coach on the same page, and that that's something that's really easy to do. And for some reason, the Jets can't do it, and that they always have this sort of backwards philosophy of having a, a GM step in when they already have a coach. And you know, you you had that with Idzik where he had to keep Rex Ryan in place, and that was a bad move. And I don't think you know the the way they structured the power between Bowles and McCagney made a lot of sense. And then you, you wait way too long to fire McCagnin. You hire Gase, who I think was an awful hire based on how his teams were, were bad in Miami and, and sort of the subjective, uh, you know, responses of, of how people viewed him in Miami. So that was a, a hire that looked bad at the time and still does look bad. And then you switch GMs in the summer. So there is not a lot of evidence that the Jets' ownership is a plus. I think the, the hope is that you end up getting lucky and you have a good GM, and you have a good quarterback, and not, you know the ownership can't really hinder you at that point. But I don't think they're going to be successful because of the Johnsons. Let's play a game. We'll have a crystal ball here. We're looking forward this time next year. Where are the Jets? Is Tom Brady still the quarterback of the New England Patriots? What's going on with the Bills? Is Josh Allen progressing? Are the Bills a team that has now taken over the division lead? Have the Jets been able to get into the mix by being able to surround Sam Darnold with the talent that he needs? Has Sam Darnold taken that leap? What do you think? Put your prediction hat on for a second. Oh, geez. Uh, That's a lot. Is Tom Brady still a quarterback? Huh. It's interesting because... I'm going to say he's yeah, not going to be a quarterback this time next year. They talked about he put his house for sale, and, and he doesn't know. Um, is he going to retire? I've never even had an NFL. I feel like there hasn't been an NFL without Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Chase on that. I'll, I'll say he retires, which means that the Bills might be uh, the best team in the division. Sam Darnold is uh, 
probably going to be top 10 quarterback in the league, and the Jets are going to go 11 and 5. I feel that, I mean, that would be great. I think every Jets fan right now would sign up for that. But I'll say that Brady's either retired or with another team in 2020, and the Bills and Josh Allen are basically similar to this year. I think they, they may have a worse record, but they the, you know, the AFC East could be a, a, a weaker division next year. That wouldn't surprise me at all if the Patriots win the division. Um, actually, that would be my prediction. Without Tom Brady, the Patriots will still win the division, and the Jets will be 7-9 and nine next year. And uh, we'll be talking about how if only a few different things have happened, the Jets could have made the playoffs in 2020. <laughs> a familiar story, although I will say, I think that that's at least an improvement over what we had seen the last couple of years where there wasn't even that talk of, well, if the Jets had done A, B and C, they might have made the playoffs. There were no scenarios in which the Jets would have made the playoffs this year a little bit closer, but hopefully at least next year they get a little bit closer to being one of those teams that can be in the mix in a year in year out basis. And I think, Chase, like you said before, if the Jets are going to be able to get to that level where they're a regular playoff team, a team that's in the mix every single year, Sam Darnold's going to have to make that leap. And we'll see if A, he has it in him to do it, B, if Joe Douglas has the ability to put the talent around him, and C, if Adam Gase can find a way to harness the strengths of Sam Darnold and get the most out of him and put him in that position to do that for the Jets. Because I would argue, and I think you guys would both agree with me, that Gase did not do much of that in 2019 so hopefully he learns from those errors in 2020 and next year when we're doing this same discussion we're having a much more positive conversation jamie stewart of news 12 long island chase stewart of pro football perspective thank you so much for coming on both of you really appreciate it before we go jamie why don't you tell everybody about how they can hear your podcast and then chase why don't you tell everybody about what you've got going on at pro football perspective Oh, well, thanks a lot. It was awesome joining you again. And, uh, yeah, at N12 Jamie Stewart on Twitter. Podcast is Tailgate Talk. It's on news12.com, or you can find it, search it wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, talk about gets. We talk about giants as well. And uh, throughout the year, I'll talk about other things and hoping that one day uh, we have a Super Bowl recap podcast. <laughs> Chase, what about you? That would be awesome. A Super Bowl. Re- I, you, I lost my voice for a second when you said that. So that would be a, a welcome day. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FBG Chase. My website, footballperspective.com. I'm always tweeting and writing about football because uh, just tweeting and writing about the Jets would be too depressing. So I have to do the entire NFL. I, I will say that, you know, Chase and I have flip-flopped over the years because I think a while ago I was negative and Chase was like, hey, we're going to be good this year. Like, be positive. And then I have now switched and trying to see the positive in things, and Chase has just completely been beaten down and, and just has no faith anymore in the franchise. <laughs> it's been a rough decade. Certainly has been a rough decade. There's no way around that. I'm just hoping that this coming decade here that we're in right now is better for the New York Jets. Make sure that you're following both Jamie and Chase on Twitter. Make sure that you're listening to Jamie's podcast and watching him on News 12 Long Island. Make sure that you're reading everything that Chase is putting out at Pro Football Perspective. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.